0: Welcome to the Leadership Mindset Podcast with me, Tony Brooks, where we look to revolutionise your leadership mindset by changing how you think and see your world, enabling you to do the right things and grow significantly as a leader. Welcome back to the Leadership Mindset Podcast series, and I'm really pleased today to have Sarah Marker with me, who is a culture change expert. Uh, Good to see you, Sarah.
1: Hi there. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, Pleasure, pleasure. So just to introduce uh, the listeners today to Sarah and her background... So as I say, Sarah is now a culture change expert, that she has been an experienced H- HR director with many years experience co-creating and delivering behaviour and culture change programmes internationally across a range of global organisations, as well as coaching leaders and executive teams for peak business performance. She has an accredited coaching qualification with Henley Business School and a proud member of the Board of Trustees at Derbyshire Mind. Uh, Sarah herself, like all of us, has has had an interesting journey uh, through life. And after a difficult time and some serious health issues, a number of years ago, Sarah started a side project to develop her own well-being practice. Out of this came Calm in a Box, which is uh, Sarah's current venture, with a mission to support people and organisations so they can find greater balance When lives at home and all and and at work today are often so full of busyness, overwhelm, stress and anxiety. There's a pack of four words there that I think a lot of people will relate to, Sarah. Yeah. (laughs) Don't we all? So yeah, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much, Jamie. I'm, I'm slightly croaky today because um, I'm just starting to come out of a, about a COVID, which I'm sure a number of listeners uh, will have experienced. Um, so I like to think it's going to give me a gruff and interesting, more interesting voice than I have <laughs> normally. <laughs> that's, that's the story I'm telling myself and I'm going to stick with it anyway. So, yeah, thanks, Sarah. Let, let's, let's dig into. Um, your back. I know, I know a little of your backstory, and, and there may be some of the listeners know some of your backstory. But I think it'd be interesting for people to know what brought you to create calm in a box. Really, then what what's your what's your backstory?
1: Mm. Yeah, so I definitely never expected to create on the box and I never expected to be sat here doing anything like this today, uh, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs end up saying, don't they, as as kind of they follow the roller coaster of life. Um, But I think, yeah, in terms of dealing with the roller coaster of life, I had some some tough experiences um, from the very beginning and as, as as, as all people do in some kind of shape or format. And I think my strategy was to be as perfect as I could. So like to kind of try and outrun life. And um, I think I lost a lot of confidence about who I really was. So I very much focused on what I did. So I kind of used um, my kind of skills around getting things done and being very organized as big box ticker. So I was almost like, you know, if I can kind of uh, have everything sorted, uh, and really put all my energy into into doing things and achieving things, then that would validate me as a person. And uh, that took me down a road which brought kind of outward success, I guess. Uh, but then on the inside, probably quite, quite a lot of problems, which then manifested as stress and anxiety, or anxiety in particular, I would say. And I wasn't kind of conscious at all that that was anxiety at the time. Uh, but with hindsight now and looking back, I can definitely see Quite a lot of anxiety in my system. Um, and then all of that anxiety is sort of in my head manifesting in my body. So it's physical symptoms. So, strong believer in that brain and body connection. So, I guess there was lots of kind of foundation stones around this sort of uh, ending up in this sort of space. Um, but I kind of worked in a corporate HR career. So I wanted to work in business, I was very interested by business, very inspired by understanding businesses and people and how all that works effectively. And had some great experiences, really. Was really lucky. Um, did lots of really big business transformation from quite, from quite from very much the beginning, really. Um, so I say to people, I ended up sort of probably being in the right place at the right time. <laughs> I was quite lucky. You'd take on some quite meaty projects. But I was always very lucky to have some really great mentors around me and I think it's the power of relationships isn't it but then when that gets out of balance you know you have great relationships when you've got to do really tricky things which perhaps sort of really can compromise your value set that can be really difficult to kind of square that circle um so so yeah so so lots of different experiences within kind of corporate world um and then obviously on my kind of mission to to outrun life and tick all those boxes and have everything sorted personally and professionally. And then I pretty much got there. And then when I got there I sort of blew it all up really.
0: <laughs> you you say you blew it all up. What what was that what what did that blowing it all up manifest us and how did that
1: Yeah, the two two key kind of key catalysts for this kind of, you know, huge personal and professional transformation. I think the first was my daughter. So having my daughter just really, really um, shifted my whole perspective, uh, shifted my whole sort of true north. I don't think I was really sure what true north was before, whereas she became my absolute world. She was amazing. And she's, she's really given me so much sense of purpose. And without, you know, her and calm in a box, I probably wouldn't be here because it's sort of strange really in that i knew i had to make those changes but i knew it would be such an incredible hard road difficult incredibly difficult road to do that but they're the things that really kept me going uh, and keep kept kept me on that road especially in the sort of very dark the darkest times um but the second one was also my coaching qualification so it gives you a bit of an illustration of the kind of person I am. So towards the end of my maternity leave, I was like, I'll do my coaching qualification. Um, It'd be a good thing to have. Um, so I went down to Henley, who are an amazing, amazing experience too. But I got lots of feedback on that on that course sort of saying you know we want to know who you are you know sort of take the mask off um we, re- want, we we like you we really want to get to know you which was really like a revelation I was like well you can't really like me because I don't really like me um but yeah so the coaching and my daughter were really the start of me reconnecting with myself and I think what I really wanted and what was really important to me and I'd always been sort of too scared to to really um think about that or act on that prior, yeah, prior to your,
0: that your daughter's is she is she five Sarah she's
1: five now yeah yes. so,
0: so we're talking around five years ago when a lot of this was going on and it's um
1: it's a catalyst that started it off <coughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah and really interesting to and I, I know you said to me before actually about when you went through the coaching qualification it was a realization to be yourself more, rather than be focused on your tasks. And you talked earlier about that sort of tick box approach, that achievement driven piece.
1: Yeah, and so I it's guess, all about balance, isn't it? It's yeah, when it, it starts to get out of balance. So neither is wrong; both are great. But when that balance, and I think culturally. Uh, Within Western culture and also in many, many workplaces and organisations, that balance between doing and being is entirely skewed and in an unhelpful direction. You know, so much focus on profitability and productivity um, and really kind of what's important and relationships and uh, connections and a sense of purpose can really start to kind of get compromised. And that balance gets out out of sync
0: yeah I get that, and I think you mentioned earlier on when you were talking then about um your value set being compromised and that kind of thing and, and one of the, one of the things I speak about actually is that I think we can get really fixated on success, which for you, I guess you know you were talking about achievement, but that can uh, often be the loss of fulfillment and happiness, and it sounds yes. like that you were you potentially were on that you know we're on that journey as well, Sarah I guess that
1: yes, absolutely. Yeah, it was an achievement at all costs, really. Um, and then that, you know, obviously had a lot of emotional and mental repercussions, but also then which led to physical issues. So I ended up quite sick. Uh, so starting off on this journey, you know, I had a very, very powerful why. Um, but then the road to get there was obviously, you know, brought about a lot of anxiety and, and stress which then, you know, caused me physical health, you know, really, really difficult physical health issues, which I had to navigate. And then it was during that time that I just started building these boxes. <laughs> I've got no idea why, really. Um, this is, again, when, you know, you know, you let that spiritual side of yourself um, free a little bit, um, which can sound very scary to lots of people uh, and have lots of those conversations now with people who just don't really aren't really ready to explore that or so very uncertain about exploring that. Um, and I'm not trying to make this woo woo either, because that's a big barrier for people really connecting into the power of this kind of stuff, because it is incredibly powerful. And at the heart of it, you know, to do well, you've got to be well and yeah. being well has to come first. <laughs> Um, and you know we spend so much of our life and our energy and our time and our focus on things that don't matter to us and then the things that really do matter to us you know we sort of squeeze in squeeze in around the edges Uh, and I know that there's lots of you know there's lots of good really good strong reasons why that's the case but you know obviously you know the pandemic has then accelerated that those reflections I think massively haven't they and I think obviously again pandemic being awful but without that you know, again, that was the, the further catalyst to then really start to create Calm in a Box as it, as it is today in terms of working with organisations and trying to develop a community of people who want to, to make change in this way.
0: Yeah, and no, I love that expression about being well first to do well. That's um, that's a, a great way of putting it. And I guess you were very focused on the doing well, weren't you, yes. historically? And yeah. um, well, we talked about some of this before, and one of my The areas I'm fascinated in is survival psychology and survival thinking and how that can hijack you. And I know that you said to me before you've been very security driven and driven a lot by, I guess, avoiding threat. Um, What was that experience for you then, Sarah? How did, again, how did that manifest for you?
1: Yeah, Uh, well, definitely. I I think fear is at the heart of a lot of people's behaviour, isn't it? A lot of people's mindset. And it was absolutely the case for me. So absolutely terrified, really, of losing a sense of stability or security. And again, that kind of comes from from my childhood experience. Um, and, you know, really wanting to avoid that. So I think there's a lot of defensive mindset, which leads to, obviously, mindset leads to behavior. So defensive mindset and behavior and, and avoidance. Um, I'm a big avoider. <laughs> I avoid myself a lot of the time <laughs> um and again it's developing the, the tools you know once you've got your why you need to shift that um and then what are the tools that you need to help yourself to be able to do that more effectively and, it, and it's hard it's really hard it's not easy none of this stuff is easy um and again you know you can badge it as well being um you know i'm trying to sort of position it as culture because with well-being there's a lot of things you can kind of again go on to that doing focus and tick off you know have you got a yoga lesson at lunchtime have you got a well-being app have you got uh you know champions whatever they might be but actually it's culture and leadership and mindset and behavior which are really the roots to getting this stuff to really stick in a sustainable way and create an environment which you know is authentic and really really going to help people thrive and um, they're not going to thrive having an app that they can go to um which might help them you know and it will help them as an individual um but without doing that mindset work first it's going to be very difficult to sustain that 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 shift
0: that's really powerful actually because in a way i think um i think we can all be guilty of that kind of approach i think uh, sometimes my approach to my own personal well-being can be a little bit too tick box. And in a way, you're just exchanging one set of doing for another then, aren't you? Absolutely,
1: yeah. And, it's,
0: and, yeah. and it is about getting deeper to the heart of what you're about as a, I mean, I guess if it's individual based, what you're about as a person, then if you go into organisations and and as a person, how do you think and how do you behave on a regular basis? You know, it's without all tick, thinking about ticking boxes, but within an organisation then, I know you work with a real variety of organisations, it is about what the culture how the culture is embedded
1: really um it works beautifully it works beautifully at an individual and an organizational level so they tie together because obviously for individuals it's all about stories in their heads so what's their version of reality and what are the messages they're telling themselves and sending themselves over and over again which might be uh, often unhelpful and with organisations, it's culture. So all culture, I say to organisations, is it's a set of stories. So it's a set of narratives and stories that exist in your organisation which define who you are and what you do. Um, and if you, shift, if you want to shift those, you've got to kind of work to rewrite them. But then obviously they re- reinforce individual stories and then vice versa. So particularly for people in leadership roles, you know, you get a leader come in with their own stories. And then they can become the organisation stories because of the power of the shadow of that leader in yeah. terms of, you know, affecting affecting culture and, and, and mindset and behaviour. But if they want sort of better outcomes or more balanced outcomes, which so many people are now, particularly like new generations coming through, um, you know, that, that really want a broader, more balanced approach to work and to life because the, the boundaries are all blurred now, aren't they? You don't leave your job at the door at five o'clock and um, you know why? Why should? Why is five o'clock a thing? You know, <laughs> this is stuff we've inherited from a different age, where you know the demands of work and life were very different. And you know, we need to catch up with a new way of, of approaching things to continue to be effective.
0: Yeah. No. Okay. Then, and we'll, and we'll come to the calm in a box model and, and some of your thinking around that in a moment. Just want to stick with that that sort of fear, as you said, survival fear based thinking. I seem to remember you saying to me before, which you you said it was okay to quote again, uh, Sarah, that you said historically you were felt that what was sort of driving you, or or I guess what was at the heart of you was 50% drive, 45% threat and 5% compassion. So not a lot of self-compassion going on there, I guess, which is why, as you described it, you know, you had, had the blowout. Um, where, where did the realisation come that you'd got it wrong? And and how did you start to, for yourself, change that, first of all?
1: Well, I mean, those that's, you know, down to those catalysts, really. And I think the main one was leading up to that point where, you know, I, I wasn't, I was so sick, you know, I wasn't, I was in danger of being able to look after my daughter properly. Um And, you know, ending up in a state where I wouldn't have been able to look after her properly and ending up in a state where I probably wouldn't have been able to walk anymore. Um, So, you know, and I I think it's the same for a lot of people that have started to embrace this change in terms of how they approach life. They've often come from a place of crisis. So a lot of well-being experts and people that really engage in well-being are often because they've had something awful happen to them so what we call like lived experience um but obviously you know it, that's a that's a horrible way <laughs> that's a horrible way to get to to make a change happen although it's a powerful and effective one but how do we bring about change you know within culture or for individuals without having to go through an incredibly horrible time um you know it's going to be better all round for, lo- for lots of different reasons
0: yeah so I guess a big driving purpose for you now is helping individuals and groups of people not get to those crisis points yeah. really that 's got to be a, a major sort of driver for you um so yeah let 's go let's let 's delve into calm a little bit more because um I think you spoke to me about the four dimensions of calm before, and is that the um the sort of acronym around calm, which is about connecting um And all of those. Well, yeah, I mean, share with us a bit more about the calm model and what that means for you, for people that you work with.
1: Yeah. So, a key principle um, for calm and for comedy boxes is that we don't tell people what to do. I think that's the first big no-no in terms of any of this stuff: their culture change, or organisational shifts, or well-being. You know, it's got to be in the context for that group or for those for those individuals. And we're all different, aren't we? We're all programmed differently. There's no one size fits all. Um, so obviously, we can share information and resources and concepts and theories and tools, but it's all about helping. Um, you know the people on the programs to work out, um, and we co-create with them to figure out what's going to fit best in terms of you know their why and what they've got to do, and what change they want to make. Um, but obviously, to hang that all together, we use CALM. So CALM is the handrail for the culture change changes that we do, um, and those are the four dimensions we believe are key to creating a culture leadership mindset and behavior which are going to really help drive a greater sense of balance um in that sense between doing and being so c is all around connection so connecting to yourself so yeah. uh, what's important to you and why um and then connecting to others uh, so how do you you know have you got those trusted relationships in place um you know have you got those those kind of connections and and, and that sense of belonging so you know, really see this go wrong when people feel very disengaged or that they don't belong to some kind of purposeful community. And that can operate in all sorts of different ways and all sorts of different levels. And it doesn't have to be the traditional hierarchy, but a sense of meaningful community and being able to belong to something meaningful.
0: Can, really I, can I ask you a question around that, Sarah? Yeah. Because um, I, I guess, particularly with people who are more introverted in nature, um, that need for connection is isn't as strong for for those kind of people, and I guess one of the concerns. I I'm, I'm more of an extrovert. Typically, um, I imagine you might be as well. Are you, or are you? Yeah,
1: I'm on the middle. I'm
0: on the sort of on the cusp between the two. On the cusp, yeah. Okay. So I'm an extrovert, but if you've got if you've got people who are more strongly introverted um, and don't feel that necessarily that need for connection, and particularly during the experience now of pandemic and remote working and all of those kind of things do you think there are some dangers particularly for introverted people that they might tip that too far um you know the other way and actually disconnect themselves a lot from from people
1: well, that's not what the C is about. The C is about helping you find connection to something meaningful.
0: Ah, okay. I thought that was connecting to. Sorry, apology. I think well, part of it will be connecting people.
1: to others, but yeah. there'll still be a sense that introverts will want to con- feel part of a community with yeah. something meaningful at the heart. They will just do that very differently to people okay. with a preference for extroversion.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So they'll still want to belong and still want to have connections. They'll just look and feel that quite different. So that that's kind of that that's why that acts as a handrail. So then whatever your preferences are, um, and however you're made up, you can find a way to bring that about in a way which works for you.
0: And it's different for for different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah different. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And let's look at the other three aspects of the calm uh peace then. Yes,
1: yeah, so the A then is all about um is all of me matters. This is all about self-awareness, so understanding, your, understanding yourself better. It's just about that piece about introversion and extortion, understanding what you're about and then what that means in terms of your sense of connection, for example. Um, and then but also self-acceptance, that so we all have good days and bad days. And I think for a long time, people have put so much pressure on themselves to always sort of have their best foot forward. You know, that mask comes on, um, they arm it up to kind of you know show up in the world but actually there's huge kind of implications both for the individual and for everybody else in terms of you know keeping that armor so tightly on so how do we start to live more authentically in a way where we're kind of you know more open to um, understanding ourselves becoming aware of ourselves and each other but also accepting accepting ourselves and each other
0: yeah that's 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 interesting as well because again I remember you sharing with me that you when you're in your sort of corporate sort of high power positions that there was an element of uh, if I remember correctly <laughs> yeah. putting on a mask every day Sarah and, and almost like feeling sick when you got home because yeah. of the pressure of, of and I think a lot of people will relate to that that they um, feel they are masking up when they go into work and what have
1: you. Yeah, certainly in like, you know, sort of more toxic environments that, you know, the A, because it's about self-preservation and, protect, and protecting yourself, isn't it? So the 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 more um, challenging the environment or the culture is, the further away we come from, you know, a healthy manifestation around that A, because at the core of it is about, you know, being vulnerable, being able to be vulnerable. It's okay to make mistakes, you know, it's okay to, to, to show up as me and have, you know, a personal life. Again, for a long time, you get sort of be strong cultures, don't you, or some very traditional mindsets um, where you know we're expected to take on our role, and it's the badge, the badge that we wear, um, rather than the person that we are. Which again is a bit crazy (laughs) and can kind of cause a lot of damage, comfort to individuals and organisations.
0: No absolutely, and I think um there's a couple of things I relate to and when you talk about the all of me matters piece I think um I often you know say to myself as well as other people you know be your best coach really and look look after yourself, how would you um talk to somebody else who was maybe needed your help and support and, and I, uh, I and I guess you know you were talking about that. Self awareness piece as well. I, I think I don't know whether you you'd agree with this, Sarah, but I think a lot of people can maybe get too fixated on their value in life being about the results they achieve in their career and their business, rather than other things. Like you said, my my biggest achievement is my twenty four year old daughter. You know, who um, I went off celebrating her twenty fourth birthday with like a couple of weekends ago, and you, you spoke about your daughter, and I think. We can lose sight maybe of, as you, you know, in in that all of me matters piece of all the different facets of us, you know, because I think we can get really wrapped up in. Uh, we, you know where we are on the career ladder and yeah. uh, you know if we've got a business what results we're getting in our business and lose sight of all the other wonderful parts of our life you know our families our friends our hobbies our interests all of those kind of things I guess
1: That's, absolutely but the core of all of me matters is the fear that we're not good enough yeah so it's that whole how do we build a construct you know in a, and it and uh, to, to help you realize that you are enough just as you are uh, and rather than always striving kind of to be something else or someone else or a bit better or a bit further on um you know again accepting things as they are and the, and the strength and the power in things as they are and who you are um which is really hard but i think because we've been sold a template of life haven't we and it's like we're constantly comparing and checking back whether that's with other people or just our own template you know are we where we want to be um and it can cause all sorts of Challenges content in terms of stories in our heads and how we feel about ourselves in comparison to everybody else.
0: Oh, you're going to take us down really interesting <laughs> <laughs> big um, one. The
1: A, the I'm, A is I'm... one when we work with groups. When we do the C <laughs> session, people are a bit like. Mm, okay, I'm kind of getting it. And then it's the A where everyone goes, Oh my goodness, you know, like <laughs> lots and lots of light bulb moments. For it,
0: me. It's, it's fascinating that, Sarah, because I think I've gone deep, deeper and deeper into that. Uh, yeah, at the heart of my fascination with uh, survival psychology, survival thinking is the fact that I believe most people's default position is they're not is they feel they're not good enough yeah and that's because a lot of our thinking is looking for you know where are the problems where are the threats where are the gaps in our ability you know blah 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 you know as you said fear driven very much so we arrive at a place um, almost uh, from our conception where we're looking at all the problems, gaps and, and what have you. Yeah, and so that's n- sure. not good enough place in, you know, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, as a yeah. employee, as a boss, whatever it can be. I think that's. Um,
1: and that's the education piece. So when I say to people, your brain doing that, your brain is doing its job and it actually means you're a functioning human. But the practice is to start to become aware of that and to see it as, as an information or a piece of insight that you can choose to do something with, love rather it. than, you know, your actual reality and the actual definition of you. That education piece starts to unlock, you know, that toolkit to be able to, to, to think differently.
0: Love it, love it, love it. In fact, um, I put a quote on LinkedIn this morning, which is sort of along that path. And it was about... Um, I think I can't remember exactly how I word it, but it was something along the lines of, you know, that path to prove yourself is a never ending journey. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that if you come to life feeling proven already, but just want to grow and build from there, yeah, um, you know, and that's my philosophy as well has been uh, to get into a place where I feel that I am good enough as a human being. That doesn't mean yeah. I'm finished entity and I don't want to grow and improve in in all sort of aspects of life, but I feel it's really sad that a lot of people do come at life from a place of not being good enough, and and That's
1: one thing I, fear, I, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and one thing I wanted to ask you, Sarah, for your opinion on this. Some people will tell you that um, that continual drive to prove themselves, um, you know, to feel they're not good enough, etc., uh, etc., cetera, et cetera, is part of what makes them achieve more. Um, yes. Yes. And so it pushes them forward. And if they
1: stop, it'll all fall apart.
0: Yeah, and they don't yeah. want to be they don't want to yeah. be complacent. So they want to think that, you know, uh they're not good enough and there's uh things they've got to achieve to validate themselves more and yeah. this, that and the other. Yes. Go on then, what what's what's your, on, <laughs> what's your thoughts?
1: on that? Yes, I know. It's it's interesting, isn't it? And I definitely thought the same thing. Definitely thought the same thing, and if I slow down or if I don't you know if i stop concentrating and if i don't keep my eye on all this if i stop being in control it will all fall apart and uh, it won't be as good as it was and i'm going to suffer as a result and yeah it's, it's it's crazy isn't it because we're not well firstly we're not in con- as con- we're not in as control as we as in control sorry as we think we are so you know uh, uh, but then also you know doing a lot of research now around flow states so how do you really get into super high performance as individuals and teams and organisations? And actually it's about completely changing your approach around you know, high control, um, high drive, um, coming out of that space, making sure you're rested and, re- and rebalanced and, and, and relaxed. And actually you're then your performance is going to go even higher. So I think it's the difference between um, trying to perform from through control and drive and sort of forcing your way through to some kind of good outcomes rather than actually, you know, really delivering great outcomes by, you know, creating more balance in your life and starting to become aware of of that and making sure that you are keeping yourself in the best place you can be.
0: Mm, interesting. <clears throat> and there's some um, some sort of fascinating insights from uh, neuroscience about brain frequencies and about a lot of us spend too much of our time in a higher brain frequency state you know that hyper yes, alert alpha,
1: state. Obesa, yeah
0: and then yeah. It, and then if you could actually slow your frequency down that's where more creativity comes and i guess that's when you talked about flow states that's um, where that some, some of that comes yeah. from but,
1: i think a lot of people approach sort of try and um Try and sort of achieve through like high dopamine, cortisol, adrenaline states where they're completely out of balance. But then the cost is the effect on your mental and your physical health. So maybe you can achieve that outcome, but what's the cost to you? Whereas if you can shift yourself into flow and consider slowing down and recessing and rebalancing, you're going to get a whole load of positive, you're going to get your hormones more in balance. And then that cost to your brain and your body system is going to be less and you're probably going to achieve an even better outcome.
0: But, yeah, it's and going to be hard, hard to convince some people of that, I think, isn't it? When yeah, for
1: sure. If, so when I it's, think, deep, yeah. When
0: it's deep-rooted that I'm driven by the things Bye. i'm not good at what have you uh, i i think it, it, there's nothing wrong with wanting to improve as a as a human being as a as a worker as a business person whatever it might be but i guess for you and i we'd probably be on the same page but it's better, much better, to come from a place of calm, of appreciation of self and liking, loving self almost, you know, rather than feeling you're deficient, not good enough, and that you. And I say, I think the problem is, if you're on that path, you'll probably end up going to your grave thinking you were never good enough, and, and I think that's um, a great, tra- a great tragedy for even for some people who are incredibly uh, accomplished and have achieved yeah. amazing things. Yeah, they probably the
1: worst. <laughs> <Pardon>? <laughs> often they have that the worst
0: yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely I could could talk for hours about that but let's get to the other two parts of uh, common so we were talking about that connection piece first of all then the all of me matters uh, yeah. let's let's go on to the L and the N. then what do they
1: well, we've already sort of strayed into this territory so the L is let me rest and recover and rebalance essentially so let me take that time it's slowing yeah. down to go faster so you know that is again where you know everybody always sort of takes a big sigh when we get on see and that's the thing that people really, really want a lot of the time. um you know, there are people out there who 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 are doing really great with this kind of stuff, But obviously many people um I think a big misconception is you know well i don 't need to look at this until i 'm stressed, but actually it's like No, because you know your brain that neuroplasticity we need to work on that develop that toolkit Um, and it is like training so again when you say when you get those people who really sort of push against rail against this sort of philosophy you know it's because it's like me saying well you're going to go and run a marathon and I'm going to send you out training on a 10k now you know when you get back you probably feel a bit sore so you you know you probably feel quite sore and it's the same with mental fitness so it's about you know really starting to um, get the brain to practice with these tools and techniques in a way which works for you, but realizing you are going to sort of, you know, some resistance is going to pop up to begin with because yeah. it's, it's it's a new muscle that we've not used before. And within organizations, we're often very much not encouraged or rewarded to take this kind of approach. So this is a very big mindset shift, particularly for a lot of leaders and it's very much around not stopping managing time and and controlling that resource and thinking about helping people to manage their energy really what you know what energizes you what drains you and how do you kind of um, make those shifts in what you're doing and how you're doing it to maximize uh, your energy levels to, to kind of thrive and you know we look at this is that you know we're not in the industrial age anymore it's not about controlling your resources between set times to get maximum output which is actually still how a lot of leaders approach uh, leading and how organizations set up their cultures for maximum productivity. You're still going to get maximum productivity, but through a completely different route, which is the skills that we require people to be successful in business now are very cognitive functions. So creativity, innovation, building relationships, complex problem solving. And the brain can't do that by continuing to be at maximum output between nine and five. It's got to be rested and re- rebalanced for the brain to be able to do that. Uh, so, you know, there's lots in here about how triggered we are, how we're surrounded by constant requests on our time and for, for uh, you know, on task completion, you know, emails and social media and all the rest of it. But actually, how do we simplify a lot of that stuff? And I'll say, you know, where do you come up with your best ideas to a group? And they always, always, always answer the shower. And this is exactly that you know, we're not paid while we're in the shower, are we? But actually we're constantly <laughs> reflecting and creating and innovating. Um, and it's because the brain is vested in the shower that that unlocks uh, that outcome.
0: Yeah. One of the other things, um, I did some neuroscience training last year. And um, when you first wake in the morning, you know, sometimes you wake up and you can't quite get back to sleep. And that can be a bit frustrating, but um what happens is when you first wake up there, you, your brain is in a, in a slower state. Uh, and so actually, I, I don't know if you've found this as well, Sarah, as well as being in the shower, When I, when I wake up in the morning sometimes, Thing, idea. I have just really great creative ideas. Yeah. So I've learned to not um, resist and fight it so much and just yeah. um, be at peace with the fact I maybe not go back to sleep, but just see what comes yeah. in my head and have a notebook yeah. by the side of the bed and, and capture um, any good ideas that sort of come up during that time. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that that's fascinating. And I think, um, again, one of the things that I was looking into uh, last year, which you, you were touching on there really, which is about um brain health i think a lot a lot we all get the concept like you were saying to be able to run a marathon or whatever you know you have to do um certain things to get your body in a, a certain st- state or you know a state condition or whatever yeah. um but also it's maintaining that i think we yeah. don't sometimes think of the fact our brain's an organ and it needs hydration it needs rest it needs sleep it needs a lot of those things yeah. um we almost take it for granted and i think getting more of a focus on the fact that a our brain is an organ and our brain health is important and like you were saying that we work differently now and the demands um, on us on humans are different to how they were years ago um all yeah. really important to to keep in focus but yeah absolutely. let's move on let's move on to the m uh, from the from the calm piece then so um
1: we well, have kind of what, come into this space again already because the, the whole of the four dimensions are linked and you work through them. That's why you work through them in that order. Yeah, essentially, yeah. it's that thinking system uh, to help you take, you know, organisations and teams on that journey, uh, you know, to to, to to create that sense of purpose to work on the mindset, to shift the behaviour and then to deliver different outcomes. Um, but a lot of people start with behaviour first <laughs> by buying the, the watch or whatever. And then because they haven't done the mindset and the purpose stuff, it doesn't happen. But that's the M is where you start to put things into practice and start to go, right, what are the behaviours that I need to put in place now? So now I've considered, you know, why this is important, what's purposeful about it for me uh, and my team? Um, how am I going to sort out my head? And my energy, uh, so my relationship with time, productivity, and energy. And then how do I take all that stuff and create a plan which is going to work for me? So a lot of the the M um, is is based on tiny habits, so small yep. steps. So, so really taking the pressure off because uh, we tend to put way too much pressure on ourselves. Um, so, you know, what are very small changes we can make consistently uh, that we can kind of, um, you know, really make stick. Uh, Growth mindset. So, really, really, really getting clear on this is, you know, a big test and learn pro- process. There's no right or wrong. I'm not going to give you, you know, an award for getting this right. So nobody gets it right. I have a very developed wellbeing practice and I still have to be very open-minded that I'm going to have some really good days and some rubbish days. And, you know, I'm always sort of learning and trying and testing new things and some of them work and some of them don't. And some of them work some days and some of them (laughs) don't work on other days. The growth mindset is really important. Uh, And then the last part of the M is all around, um, you know, support team. So how do you do that? Because then that links back to the C around community. So you can see some really beautiful shifts for groups around developing a support team and a community and helping each other. Um, you know create you know greater calm and
0: greater balance at at work no brilliant no thank you for that I think that's that's been fascinating to step through that and I I relate hugely to to what you're speaking about anyway Sarah what about um, for you now then I've obviously been on an incredible journey um, to to almost the brink of losing yourself really uh, through a lot of the pressure you put on yourself which manifested in all sorts of physical issues and what have you um what about you for you then what, what would you say are two or three things that are you know if we if we were to say two or three three things that are paramount for you in the way you live your life now um what about you for you personally then what would they be
1: so in terms of my tools sorry in terms of my tools
0: tools or philosophies or yeah whatever philosophy. whatever works for you best i think
1: so I think that, you know, at the core of the philosophy is really having a clear why, so why this is so important and really, um, you know, back to what is really important in my life, you know, what really does matter, um, which definitely wasn't what I thought, I thought it was You know, um, so really kind of staying um, true to that and having done some reflection on that and, and obviously a lot of work to figure that out. Um, and then in terms of tools, you know, um, The growth mindset, I think, is a big one. So again, really making sure that you uh, feel free to experiment and try different things out Um, and not put pressure on yourself. So being kind to yourself about the whole thing. Uh, So taking that pressure off and um, giving yourself the benefit of the doubt is, again, really, really important. Um, Yeah, not feeling like, you know, it's definitely not about box ticking. It's about being real. And being real means that... You know, there is no right or wrong.
0: Yeah, and I love that you know expression that you had about early on about be well first to to do well. Yeah, I, th- I think there'll be a lot of things that I'll take away from our conversations today. But um but that that one sentence encapsulates a hell of a lot, doesn't it? Really, um, it does.
1: But it's also massively per face. It's such a massive leap of faith and it is changing habits of a lifetime for some people more than others. I mean, this is where, you know, I'm confident in it because if I can do it, anyone can do it. (laughs) But, you know, on so many days you think, what if, you know, I've got this totally wrong and, you know, letting go and slowing down, you know, I should be. And I get the shakes. So I'll say to people, you know, I'm a recovering workaholic (laughs) and I can actually sense, I feel myself, I've got to get the shakes. So, okay. you know, I'll finish work early <laughs> because I'll be like, you know, I should be working later than this. And then I'm like, well, why? So go off and have a walk. And then I'll go and have a walk and I'll create loads of things in my head and unlock loads of problems and come up with loads of great ideas because I've gone for a walk. But the idea of going for a walk between nine and six gives me shakes. Okay. <laughs> so, and it's really unpicking all of that stuff. Again, being kind to yourself on, you know, this is a big journey of discovery, um, but facing into yourself as well, because that's not always easy. So I will often say to groups, you know, I'm, a, I'm not a judge. I'm a mirror. Okay. So, you know, don't look at me <laughs> just being a mirror to help you figure out what's right for you. I'm not going to tell you uh, what's right for you and your organization. Um, it's about you discovering that for yourself.
0: Yeah. And there's that authenticity there, Sarah, isn't it? That you're willing to still put your hand up and say, I'm not the finished article, which is okay, isn't it? Massively. Yeah, that that growth (laughs) mindset piece. So some of those challenges we spoke about during this by, you know, about you being very driven, being very to a tick box orientated, um, dealing with threat. Uh, You've just called yourself a recovering workaholic, which is an interesting expression. Um, I guess, Some of those things, uh, well, I'll I'll ask you the question in a moment, but I'm getting the impression that some of those things may still be there for you, but you become much better at being self-aware, observing them, and I guess not going down rabbit holes with them. Would that that be a fair?
1: That's totally it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then you're much more resourceful at stepping back and going, right, you know, why why am I not going to run down this path? And then what else can I do about it? but then also proactive practices, which can feel really strange at start at the start, but then really starting to develop um, an understanding um, by starting to see the benefits. You know, this is a this is a slow run, burn and it is a commitment. It, you know, if you want to become, well, it's like on the physical level, if you want to become an Olympic gold medalist, it's not going to happen overnight, is it? And it's the same with any of this stuff. If you want to get your brain and your body's system into the best place it can be, it needs a lot of work and a lot of nurturing, but also enjoying that process along the way and not trying to force it into, you know, into back into your control around, you know, around a time scale. Um, you take gratitude practice. I was very resistant to gratitude practice for a long time, and I'd he- obviously hear a lot about it, people going on and on about it, and I really didn't think it was worth anything. Um, but very powerful. So I've done gratitude for. It was. It was Christmas twenty twenty when I started. So coming at sort of eight, you know, what is it, fifteen months or so. And it's definitely rewired my brain. And I can see it and I can feel it rewiring my brain in terms of how I look at the world and what's important.
0: And how do you I mean, I I must be honest, like I I think it's been nine years now when I started capturing at least five good things about the day and sometimes I journal in a more um I guess free format but what what's your gratitude practice then Sarah?
1: So I just journal each morning yeah. uh, mostly in the morning very sometimes at night but again I'm not hor- I'm not down on myself if I miss a day, yeah, yeah. If I miss a day or two and say you know that that's the way it rolls um but I just write down you know some stuff about the previous day which also helps me process Which in my old mindset would have been a waste of time because it's not productive. (laughs) There's no way I'd have done it because it would have just been dead time, not doing anything. Um, Whereas, you know, that really, really helps me process, sort stuff out. Sometimes I write things down and I'm like, oh my goodness, I didn't see that. You know, I didn't see that until I've written it down um and also you know just in terms of training my brain to look for so you there's themes in that I've done a blog on it but you the repetitive themes my daughter my daughter my daughter the weather my bed my coffee um you know a great conversation somebody that showed me some kindness you know and then you look at what you're sort of training for all day, which is delivering tasks and ticking things off. And actually when you write your gratitude journal, complete reverse, you know, isn't it, in terms of actually what your brain has appreciated. And then I swear, like, you know, I had some bad news. So obviously, you know, when I started coming, I had to have bad news every day, like awfully bad news all the time about all sorts of things. Um, but then obviously things settle down. I remember late last year, I had a bit of bad news. And I wasn't so used to having bad news so I was out of fight and flight because things had settled down a bit um but I had some bad news and I was like oh that's not great but then very quickly I saw a positive in it and um you know within half an hour yeah that was it I remember because we do it at the dinner table so we do what's what's the what are you most grateful for today and actually my little girl if I forget she reminds me to do it which is just amazing um but I remember saying uh I had some bad news today, but what I'm grateful for is I haven't had any bad news for ages. <laughs> and I would never have got there before.
0: And that's about outlook, isn't it? You know, and I, I, one of the things I say is like doing that for nine years, what I do, it's made me a more, I'm not perfect, but it's made me a more optimistic person. Yeah. Um, and you're talking about person like nine years ago is, diagnosed with depression so it was good to do something different and, and make some changes and I get the importance of that very much And like I said I guess the challenge for people listening to this is to have a leap of faith that yeah. that kind of thing is in, important for them um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I say this to people actually as well with we, life
1: saving actually
0: yeah yeah it can be and the people that I coach and when I, I encourage them to do this <clears throat> one of the things I say is um they don't have to be big things like you were saying you no. know, coffee or whatever. People make it about big things and I said, you know, sometimes it might be a pretty crappy day, but you can still find some things that you can uh, you know, just reflect on. I think, uh, well, you know, hey, that was a good thing. And for me today, spending time with Sarah Markham talking Aww. for um, forty five <laughs> minutes will be one of the one of the things that goes down on my list of good things. No, too. Thank <laughs> sarah Thank we it's been wonderful. You and I could talk for hours and um and we probably will continue to do over the years outside of this podcast episode. But before we finish, I, I just wanted to give um people listening a chance to know where they can find out about you more, connect with you, find out about a Box more. So how do people find out more about you?
1: So we have the website which is ww.cominabox.co.uk. Um and I'm on LinkedIn a lot, so you'll probably best find me there. Uh, So my profile, Sarah Markham, or you can follow the company page, which is Calm in a Box.
0: Yeah. And I must admit, I think that was how you and I got to know each other originally was um, observing and commenting and liking each other's posts on LinkedIn. So, uh, yes, Sarah is very active. And um, uh, you can find out a lot from Sarah just by connecting with her on LinkedIn in the first instance. So, yeah, all, all there remains to be said again, thanks hugely for sparing your time. It's been fascinating. Um, and we've gone down some interesting paths that I, I maybe didn't expect we would go down and, and some paths that I thought we possibly would. And um, I think gratitude, for example, was uh, not a surprise that we talked about that um but as you say I, I like the way you put that can actually it can actually be life-saving Yeah. because if people get into that dark tunnel and not seeing any good in their life and what have you that can lead to some pretty dark paths can't it so yeah, yeah. so brilliant thank you very much sarah and uh thank you, again thank you for sparing your time
1: no pleasure thank you so much for having me
0: If you want to explore your leadership mindset in more detail, why not complete our free leadership diagnostic at thetonybrooks.com and subscribe to this podcast to join us for future podcasts.